Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. I'm Annie. And I'm Leah. And this is Lactation Business Coaching with Annie and Leah, where we talk about the smart way to create a compassionate and professional private practice. Let's dive in. Hey there, Annie. Hey, Leah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be with you again for another Ask the Expert. And I know we have one of our favorite people here. I know both of us love Brenna Sampy. And we're so excited to have her on the podcast today talking about policies and procedures we might do as we're thinking about in-person visits during the COVID-19 pandemic. So I know you're super excited to have her here as well. I really am. I'm so excited because, you know, Leah and I had recorded an episode right before all of the closings happened that was all about what's in what do you bring to home visits and that was this this episode and and we recorded it and then we're like oh now we can't run it because we don't know if anybody's ever going to do these in-person visits again and and things just felt so so difficult to imagine doing home visits again or even in person in the office but now you know as we're settling into this new normal and we're figuring out what is right for, you know, each one of us has to decide what can I handle? What can I do? How do I, am I able to make this safe? We're going to be seeing people in person again. So we will be running that episode. It's going to be airing coming out next week. So you'll be able to hear something that was recorded before, but I think will be applicable now. So what we really needed to do though, is we needed to have somebody on the podcast talk about setting these safety policies for in-person visits. And we couldn't think of anybody better than Brenna because she has maintained in-person visits throughout this pandemic. She's doing them safely. Everything I've seen that she has been posting and sharing about how she's doing consults just really has given me so much hope for our ability to be able to deliver this in-person care safely where it's appropriate. So... Brenna is an IBCLC and a doula in the Portland metro area. She also does professional education in person and online classes for lactation consultants, which is how Leah and I both met her from meeting her at some continuing education conferences that we've been to that we've learned a lot from. So Brenna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's a pleasure to get to talk to you both at the same time, even. <laughs> well, we're really excited to have you. And we'd love to know a little bit more about your practice in general. Like, tell us about your practice. What kind of services do you offer? What do you do as a whole as an IBCLC? And I know also a doula as well. Yeah, we have a team, which is the most important thing to me. I started a solo and I missed my mentor. Like I I was miserable (laughs) 
<laughs> working alone. And so a team approach has kind of always been the thing that has been right for me. So we have a couple of doulas. We have two birth doulas that we, we actually just hired on. And then we have a postpartum doula that just does postpartum. And then we also have two lactation consultants with a third one who rotates in and out as she's able because she works with WIC. And we do home visits. We do, I'm usually in the clinic. And then we also do a lot of telehealth now. We're doing also telehealth doula work, which has been really interesting. And we're also still doing doula work at the birth centers and at home births where we're able. Awesome. Well, you've got the whole package deal there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just like, I really want to make sure that like we can like, my heart just like breaks for families when they're like, I don't have anybody to help me do that. And I'm always like, well, I can help you. (laughs) Yeah. And you're also getting paid for it. (laughs) You're also mentoring pathway three candidates and inviting them to be part of your services, both in person and virtually too. So it's not just about helping families. It's also about helping aspiring lactation consultants as well. I know that's a big part of your mission. Oh, totally. And I, you know, it's, it's something that I, it's so integral. I just don't even think about it anymore. It's second nature to me because I can't imagine like having spent all of this time and energy, like growing this knowledge and this practice without then turning around and sharing it with the next person who's coming up because I've like benefited so much from people being really generous with their time and energy to teach me. And so I can't imagine not doing that for somebody else. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I, I really feel the same way. I know Leah does too, just about the, just that continuity of knowledge and being able to make knowledge available to people and just seeing the effects of like, the more you know, the better you can help these people that need us so much. So in terms of that need, and you spoke to that, you know, when you were talking about your services of just like, that feeling of like, well, I can help you. But in this reality, we are having to make decisions about how we help people. So what are the policies and your thought processes and triage where you're determining who is getting an in-person visit? Yeah, that's a really good question. We spent a long time thinking about that. Although we kind of it feels like we pivoted really quickly when I look back on it now, but we did spend a good, you know, a good like one to two weeks as things were kind of starting to shut down and getting a little bit, you know, confusing. And so one of the things that was really important was that we we limited the in-person visits to the people that we really needed to see in person. And so that's been an ongoing conversation with people as they're booking, you know, saying, okay, well, why don't we do a telehealth first? And then we can go from there. So we can kind of triage, we can do as much as we can on telehealth. And then we say, only the parts that we have to do in person for in person so that we're like really minimizing the time that we're spending together but we are we are no I bought a uh, one of those infrared touchless thermometers for the office it took you know I, I think I just got it last week because getting one of those has been like <laughs> almost impossible I think harder to find than toilet paper and then we ordered face masks for the office but really what we're we're mostly doing is using masks and then our clients have to use masks on their way in through the lobby and then we never have anybody in the lobby at the same time so I moved rooms inside of our clinic space. So now I actually have a one way. So I have a little exit at back door in my clinic space so they can come in through the lobby and then out through the back door so that nobody ever goes through the same space at the same time as anybody else. So that one way has been like a really big thing. And then we also have a HEPA filter in our, like a ventilation system in our office. It's because it was an old dentist's office. So Mm. it was just as fortuitous that it is already still there. So that's awesome. 
lots of lots of considerations. <laughs> there are so many considerations, and I'm sure you know you're kind of speaking to some of the things that you would do while you're actually in person with somebody. So like everybody's wearing masks, you have some control over who's getting in front of who and that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. are there things that you've set up in between? So I'm sure like some new or different cleaning practices, or have you thought through some of those type of aspects or changed anything in your office space? Can you speak to any of that? Oh yeah, totally. Yes, there's a lot. I don't know why I didn't think. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Um, yes. So we at the beginning of everything, I was really really worried about the recommendations to separate parents and their babies. So I sat down and I wrote out a guiding practice document at the request of one of my friends, who's a, a nurse over at one of our local hospitals. Um, they didn't have a they didn't have a protocol in place, and so in like 24 hours, I like banged out all of the research and like synthesized it all into this one big document. And in that research, I kind of also was able to kind of do my own research. So we have to have a minimum of 15 minutes between people because that's what research has shown is like the virus lives in the air and droplets and for about 15 minutes, it can stay suspended. So if we're having people rotate in back to back, it's a really dangerous practice. So we can't do that. We've also limited our number of in-office visits to four per day max, although we're usually kind of riding around one or two. And then in between, I book about 30 minutes in between visits. I book it on on the calendar as 40 because we always run over a little bit. Um, Somebody has to poop at the very end of the consult every time. Um, and so it's a whole process with cavicide and, um, I keep on my N95 so I don't have to smell the cavicide because it's the cavicide with bleach, which is more effective against the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And then we also have a spray disinfectant that goes on the chair. So that takes about 15 minutes to take effect. So I have to have that time for the air to sit and for the HEPA filter to run, but also for the chair to kind of disinfect. It doesn't smell the best, but we also have a little diffuser that we kind of, I run at the same time. So at least it smells a little bit like essential oils and Lysol. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah. It's been, it's been a really interesting thing. And then the other thing that I've just ordered because I wasn't even thinking about it was were shoe covers. Mm. So at home, I always take off my shoes. I, I've never, I never go in a home home without shoes with shoes on. And I have a, a special pair of like washable slippers that I, that I keep in my visit bag because I've learned that sometimes you don't want to take off your shoes in someone's toes. And, yes. you know, cleaning after a new baby, if you have dogs, is really hard sometimes. So, so now I have slippers and they're washable and it's easy. So when I'm at a home visit, it's really, that's a simple thing for me because I don't have to worry about tracking anything in because I worry much more about reaching their safety. At the clinic, I worry much more about somebody bringing something in. And so we're getting shoe covers for everybody so that they can put them on at the door. Mm. So I'm that's currently a good like... consideration too. Yeah, I got a, I got one of those grocery bag holders and I'm putting them on the outside of the office, the clinic. So like as you come up, there's it'll like a little sign will say like, please cover your shoes as you walk in so they can just grab a pair. That's awesome. We'll see, that, we'll see if that works. <laughs> yeah. And I like that you mentioned, because I think this is really important. I did a bunch of research and trainings as well as I was looking at all the policies and things and um, knowing what disinfectant you're using and the contact time it has to have is super important. And you can find yes. information about that on the EPA website. They have an in list and it goes through literally every disinfectant on the market that could kill COVID and the contact time. And I think 
some people would be quite surprised at some of them, like you said, like 15 minutes, some of them need 15 minutes, some of them need two minutes. It just depends on the product that you're using and the level of saturation. And I thought that was really interesting because I don't know that, I'll, you know, people just think like, oh, I'll just, you know, throw some Lysol in it and it'll be fine. And it's like, no, it really has to have like a certain level and for a certain amount of time. And when you're cleaning your scale or cleaning things that are coming in contact, you really want to make sure that you're following those guidelines. Yeah, I feel really privileged to have been able to, I've learned that, you know, I learn more than more from my clients than, than I think they learn from me. But like, I learned a lot about that when I was working with, I've worked with a bunch of families who have kiddos that are immunocompromised. And I worked with this really special family. Their kiddo was getting a, he was born in end-stage renal, end-stage renal failure and um, his mom gave him her kidney. And they breastfed throughout the whole thing, much to the doctor's dismay, because there's this one study in the 70s that said if you breastfeed, that that could cause graft versus host disease, which is like rejection of the organ. It's not true, by the way. (laughs) But I learned when I was working with them, because I had to learn all the different like things, because going in their house with a kid with zero immune system, a baby with zero immune system was like totally a different thing. So she was telling me that like bleach water, for example, yeah, it takes 10 minutes and it has to sit wet on the surface and dry in order to be effective. Like it can't be, you can't just like spray it, wipe it up and call it good. Like you actually haven't done anything. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, yeah, I would never have known that. So I'm glad you took those trainings because I think that that's a really important thing to mention. You know, especially so like living in New York City where it's dirty here, like that's just the reality. It's it's gross everywhere. And also, you know, coming from that, you know, like the natural parenting stuff of like, yeah, let your baby lick the floor. We were too <laughs> clean. So I, you know, I definitely personally have a bit of a Cav- not cavalier, but I would say I am not a germaphobe. Like that's, and it's something that I'm just like really like pretty casual about in terms of like the, my five second rule is, is, you know, I'll, I'll push it a little. It's okay. <laughs> but, but it's like, that's not okay when you're trying to prevent the spread of an infectious disease. And so for me, that's going to be when I'm ready to do that. It's going to like, I'm seeing there's, a lot that I have to learn, a lot that I'm going to have to train myself. I'm going to be, you know, practicing and I'm not going to do it until I feel like I really know what I'm doing, which I'm, I think I'm a long way from that personally at the time of recording. What advice would you have for, for me or anyone else who has stopped doing in-person visits, especially home visits? And like, I want to go back so bad but like, there's just so much. Do you have any advice for people like me who are like dreaming of it, but feeling like it's unattainable? Yeah. You know, my mom got really sick last year and has been through a bunch of stuff. And so she's been on top of my mind every time I see a person because we still see her. We're keeping distance, but you know, occasionally we all get together briefly and I want to make sure that I'm keeping her as safe as possible. And so I definitely had that hesitation too about seeing people, like continuing to see people. But the thing that tipped me over was in my area, everybody else stopped seeing people. And I'm trained as a first responder. I don't, I don't do that stuff anymore typically, but I like occasionally here and there for activism, but like I I did um, wilderness first aid. And so I always run the wrong way. So like I always went into the fire. (laughs) Um, I, that's, I mean, that kicked in for me. And I think that you'll find the moment 
for you where it's harder for you to not see somebody that than to see them. And I think you have to, you have to find that spot for yourself because I think if you push it, the anxiety and stress is going to impact your practice too much. I think that's really sound wisdom. And, you know, the other thing that we all should recognize as we're considering these things is just that the vast differences in everybody's circumstances, you know, like you said, you've got a family member or the area that you're in is, is, you know, got a lot of community spread or it doesn't have a lot of community spread Mm -hmm. or you don't have access to the right cleaners or you don't have access to this or that. I mean, there's so many things. There's not like a blanket, oh, this is when you should start. You know, I think thinking about your personal, but also like resources and the environment around you, there's so many factors to think about it. And it is so individualized is what I'm really coming to find out because there's just so many different factors at play. Yeah. I mean, when I think about it for me, I'm like, okay, one of the main neighborhoods that I serve requires me to valet park my car and get into an elevator to go to the 46th floor of a giant building. So right there... It's like, those are two things that it's not like I'm, you know, like in the, like, this is my vision of like how easy it would be to live in the suburbs. It's like, you just like get in your car and you drive there and you park out front, you go into their house and then you like get back in your car and go home. And I'm like, just like, that's not my reality at all. Like just physically getting, like getting into someone's home requires so many levels of decision-making that, and then everything has to be documented. I need to have it as a policy. I can't just wing it. Totally. I mean, and I think that you make such a good point. We both do. Like the availability of PPE, you know, here has been better. It's still been tough, but it's been a lot better than it is in New York for sure. And also our cases are super, like, I think at at the peak, we had 300 cases over here because it's little, like we're not New York, we're Camas, Washington. So, you know, and, and it is like that. You just drive up and you, I even park in the driveway sometimes, although I have like a personal rule about not parking in people's driveways because I think it's rude, <laughs> but they tell me to, and then I do it. So <laughs> it's really easy. You just like walk to the front door and knock. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I, it's so easy for me too. And, and like you can prep in the driveway, you know, you can mm-hmm. like get things ready and you know, like you have a moment where you can like kind of prep your gear and like clean anything you need to clean and do whatever you need to do where I'm sure like that you can't really do that in that situation. If you're going into an apartment building or something like that, where you're going to have to like travel further, that makes it so much harder for sure. And I I like to tell you, (laughs) sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, please go ahead. I have to tell you, I've never ever in my life been to an apartment building that needs a valet. So I'm already so impressed. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the apartment building that has valet parking. It's the neighborhood. Like if you want to park your car, you have to park, there's no street parking. So you have to find a garage. And so most of the garages are not self-park. You give your car and because they're so tiny. So like you have, you know, they'll be like, lifts and like they stack the cars like they're it's a, what is your life <laughs> oh my gosh i didn't see that annie you're gonna now i I'm didn't show to... you that yeah oh i think of like you go and like you drive your car into a shoebox and you hand somebody your keys and then it, they whisk it away somewhere i think there's like pneumatic tubes involved perhaps oh i'm not totally gosh. sure <laughs> That That's is wild. I, I oh need to see this some, at some point in my life. <laughs> right? Come visit. Well, just, 
goes to show because we actually are like Brenna's on one side of the country. I'm like in the middle. And then <laughs> so such a huge differences between all of our areas and, and the different like we can get PPE, but not like super easy and it's getting better and better. But in the beginning, like for sure we couldn't. And I was really lucky that I accidentally pushed subscribe on gloves and wipes the two months on Amazon. (laughs) So I was like so mad because the wipes I buy are super expensive. And I was so mad at myself. So I'm like, why in the world did I push subscribe? And I meant to have it send to me every six months because I don't need that many wipes. Uh, Fate would have it, Leah, that you do need that many wipes and you do need 25 packs of gloves twice. But it was so funny because at the moment I was like, I don't have this kind of extra cash laying around for all these wipes. And that paid off well. I was going to say, you could probably just resell them on the, on the green market now. (laughs) I had to, I had to hunt down gloves because people are buying them. Like they're using them at the grocery store, which makes no sense. And, um, and I'm like, if you know anything about putting gloves on and now, you know, Annie, like the way that you put them on and take them off makes a big difference to them being of any use to you at all. And I never actually used to use gloves at all when I first started out because my mentor never did. And then I met my first baby with herpes lesions in his mouth. And then I went, oh, that's why people use gloves. I'm going to use gloves forever. <laughs> yep. So, but yeah, finding those was hard. I was, I, I'm a glove. I use like 17 pairs of gloves at every visit. Oh, me I too. <laughs> I'm a glove. Like in, it's so bad. I keep waiting for the day that the PD clinic's going to be like, Leah, we're rationing your gloves. <laughs> I, get... I had to, I had to ration myself. It was horrible. <laughs> I have to be really thoughtful. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to touch, like I'll hold my hands and I'm like, I'm not going to touch anything. I'm not going to touch anything. I'm not gonna touch it. And then I'm like, I really want to write that down. Oh, okay. I'm going to go write that down. Re-sanitize, re-glove. Okay. Okay. I'm back. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. That's... <laughs> and even, you know, you have to be even more thoughtful of it now. There's just no skimping on it nowadays. So having yeah. access and knowing that you like have a source to restock yourself too, you know, you might be able to get your hands on some random box of gloves somewhere, but then like, are you going to then have to stop in a week because you can't get another set? You know, it's like things like that to think about. And Annie, I also heard you mention writing down your policies. Brenna, is that something that you took time to kind of think through policies? Because I know you have other people working for you. So to share that across the whole company, is that something that you you guys like had a meeting about or like, how did you get that information to everybody? Yeah, it's actually, it's actually the law in Washington now they man, well, it's a mandate and we did it actually before the mandate happened. So I felt really good about that. But yeah, it, for me, it just made sense to have an all staff meeting. Um, I taught them how to use the telehealth platform, the team members that weren't using it yet. And the way we, I taught them how to use it was to have a meeting on it. And so we had a telehealth meeting and we went over our policies and procedures. And then I put them on up on our G suite, which everybody can access. Thanks, Annie. And <laughs> it's available, which is really nice because then when our clients want to see it, which they have asked, it's already been available and ready. So I, I haven't been caught up short, which feels really good. I mean, those policies, it's such a protection to from those 
uncomfortable situations, which I've had a few clients ask me for a home visit and being able to respond to them by referring to a policy I have versus saying, Oh, I don't know. I don't really want to. I, what I've been saying to those few people that have asked me about in person, as I say, well, I can't meet the policies and standards that I have. I just, I'm, I don't have what I need to make these safe for you according to my policies and for my liability insurance. And so until then, I'm going to be sticking with only virtual. And it just feels really good to say, this is a proactive choice that I'm making and not just like a fear-based, I don't know, I don't know what to do decision, which it was a little bit in the beginning before I shut down home visits. I, I, I remember the last two that I did were just like the dread and panic that I had about them. And it was entirely because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, I don't, this is not safe. And I didn't know, I couldn't really put my finger on it. I mean, there was so much going on too, but like, well, and as I thought through it, I was like, about the whole I don't know thing. how to make it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how to make it safe. And I, I really needed to listen to that fear that I had because it was telling me something was wrong. I mean, I think you make such an important point about fear and like, I remember there was like this period of time, like maybe in like the early 2000s when like all of these books came out about trusting your gut. And like, it was all these, all these women who like had been followed in parking lots. And like, there was like four or five of them all in the same year. And I, I never read any single one of those books. <laughs> I, I grew up in in Oakland and San Francisco. Like I, I just you learn to hold your keys in your in your fist and you're fine. <laughs> um, but the thing that I did take away from that was the conversation about trusting your gut, and that is such an important thing I think in in our work because we do such vulnerable work for both us and the people that we serve that it comes across. And I really think it's impactful to them if you, if you really don't want to be there deep down, like your visit, I mean, you're, it's going to show that they're going to pick that up. They're going to feel that. And like, then what's the point of our care if we can't really be there to be helpful? I love that you brought it back to what's good for the families, because that's really ultimately what this is about is it's not about, can I do this right for my business? It's about, can I make an, a safe environment for families, which we are able to do in any setting. And that's the bedrock of what we're doing on every level is just making it safe for them. And so I really appreciate that you came here to really share with us all the things you're doing to make families safe in in-person visits, keeping yourself safe, and just being so candid with us about all of the different things that you're thinking through. I think it is really going to help it helped me. I know it helped Leah too. And it's going to help everybody that's listening. And as we just keep evolving our lactation practice and the way we do things. Oh man. It's, I mean, it's, I'm so glad to have this conversation because it's really nice to think about everybody kind of making this pivot together. Cause I kind of feel like, you know, that, that thing when you're in labor, when you kind of are like, Oh, I'm not alone in this. Like somewhere, someone else is giving birth right now too with me. And that's kind of how I feel about this is like, we're all kind of separate cause we have to be, but like then, you know, knowing that we're kind of all together in this feels really good. So thank you for having this conversation and thank you for inviting me. Yes, we've, we'd loved having you here and this has been so helpful. I know for so many people, this is really going to help them with their business and moving forward and looking at our next steps and our pivot. So we really appreciate your time, Brenna. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. <laughs> Goodbye, you guys. Bye. Bye. Want to continue the conversation? 
join our community and connect with other private practice lactation consultants just like you. We offer support and exclusive member-only content designed to help you create a compassionate and professional private practice. We're all in this together at patreon.com slash lactation business coaching. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review and share it with a friend. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.